Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the 6th round of the X2O Trophy which took place in Hamme. With me here to discuss two, well not most of the entertaining races but still two races is Isam. Yes, thank you for having me. We'll start by talking about the men's race and to be honest it was not a surprise that that race was fairly boring. We knew going into this race that Wout van Aert was the big favourite as much of Van der Poel is racing tomorrow. And he delivered, he did what he was supposed to do. He had the best start, took it relatively easy in the first lap. We still had eight leaders in the second lap, but on a well attack on the road that we didn't really see because the camera cut to a crash of Lars van der Haar in the background, he dropped the rest of the leaders from his wheel. From there on, he could free wheel towards a victory. He was 20 seconds faster in that lap and extended his gap until it was a minute and then he really just went on the cruise control and was able to take victory. Behind that there was a much more interesting battle for the second place in the race. We had the Paul Sauzer duo of Van Turenhout and Iserbiet, but there was a young lion fighting against them and that was Pim Ronhaar. Ronhaar, who skipped last week's racing in both Zonnebeke as Benidorm, came back and was fresh. He was fighting with them and with three laps to go he put in a pretty big attack but that was a rookie error. He paid the price for that in cash right on the spot as Isabit attacked the next lap and was gone. Van Turenhout also attacked from his back in the final lap and also dropped Ronhaar which meant that Van Turenhout needed to settle for third despite coming fairly close to second but that place was reserved for Eli Isabit. Yeah Isam, I mean what can we do except just once again praise Wout van Aert I mean it's a class ride to be so much better than the rest is just a showing of his talent but at this point it's hardly surprising anymore he does it week after week and in the absence of Pitcock and the absence of van der Poel I would almost say that he did his duty to take the win here but of course we still need to acknowledge the fact that it's special the type of performances he and the others are able to put in week in and week out yeah indeed he seems to have no drop off whatsoever and today was from from van Aert a very very strong ride and that is what he needs huh? because the worlds are coming up so for him it was very important that today he was going to you know leave the race with a very good feeling to not crash or have any difficulties or you know hamper something that might be hampering you in the coming week um, that didn't happen and then for him it's you know it was a case to win the race without any difficulties and he just did that and it looked very strong from van Aert. it was a very good uh, effort <laughs> i think the only mistake that was that was made was probably more with the mechanics the fact you know the bike changes were not always that smooth and other than that, I think that for Fanarti is uh, 100% ready to go uh, to the World Championships and uh, see what he can uh, do there. I mean, I don't want this to turn into a World Championships preview podcast because we have a long preview podcast coming up this week. Also, some interviews, hopefully still, but it's just that this further confirms what we already know. Fanarti and Van der Poel. It's looking to be a battle between those two and the rest need something extraordinary to compete with them. And I mean, Isabit and Van Turenhout, they do their best, but it's as if it's a drag race between a Ferrari and a Renault Twingo. The raw watts that Van Aert can put out, like we saw today, ah, it's just something else. It's 
not only in cross, also on road, one of the best of the world in doing that. So Van Aert was just the best and we need to like sometimes praise the talent that he has because it seems so normal that he does this, but it is not normal that he's able to do this every week. And at the same time, we should also conclude that Iserbiet and Van Turenhout both put in strong rides. I do think that we can question the tactics of Pim Ronhaar. I think he got very excited and went all out to try and drop the Paul Sauzer duo way too early in the race, especially with his teammate Lars van der Haar coming from behind. But Iserbiet, after what was a disappointment at the Belgian Championships, looks to have repacked himself, also already seen in Benidorm, and Van Turenhout, who was sick, also looks to have recovered properly because it was a good race by both of them. Yeah, indeed. I think, you know, for Ronar, I can remember well the the stories that went around before the start of the season and, you know, then it was, um, I think, maybe a lot of pressure that was put on him and a lot was expected. In the end, you can conclude the season is um, not over yet, but, you know, it's very, it's very close by the end and you can definitely conclude that he didn't really match those things that have been set and that were predicted for him in at the start of the season and i think that when you have the day when you have such a day and you have a very good day you have good legs and you come in such a situation and you're not really used to that then you think that that is probably the best way to do it i mean it's it's very difficult for an athlete to when when you're not racing for so many times for a podium to then only get one chance basically this season maybe we'll get another one but with the elites to have one chance and then you will do almost everything everything wrong or you might be lucky and and do everything right and you know today it was just you know he tried something Iserbiet and Van Turen are very, very happy that he did uh, just just that and they played it out uh, very well and I think, you know, for Iserbiet and Van Turen out, especially for Van Turen out, it's probably great for him that he has a, a podium because, you know, he was sick in Benidorm, there were some talks that he wasn't feeling well but I think today he showed that he's in, uh, in, in good form and uh, ready uh, to go uh, all out uh, next week. Yeah, Iserbiet and Van Turenhout both look to be fine and realistically third is the best they can achieve at the Worlds, assuming that Van Aert and Van der Poel have a normal race. But about Ronhaar, okay, if we look at the expectations set at the beginning of the season where it was said that he would in the early phases of the season fight for podiums with Iserbiet and Van Turenhout, okay, he didn't do that and I think that was always an insanely high goal to set and unrealistic from such a young guy don't forget he is actually a final year under 23 but if you look over his season it's not been that bad i mean in the beginning of the season it was a lot of top fives in and around the top five even in some of the world cups then okay there are some bad races 19th in Fayetteville, 20th in Bergen. i recall a dnf in hulst he had some back issues but it's not all been so bad. I mean, 8th in Dublin, 7th in Valdi He had some back issues, as I said, needed to skip some races around Antwerp. It's Christmas period with a 6th place in Herentals, 8th in Kokseide. Those are also not bad results. So, just like with Thibaut Nice, who had a DNF today, it's been a bit up and down, mainly determined by the state of their back. But it's not a bad season for Ronhaar, and 
if he is able to set another step, he will be able to fight for podiums and potentially even victories in a year or two or three. We shouldn't expect these young guys to do everything immediately. And okay, I agree. So nice in giving these interviews helped create a narrative where this season might be viewed upon as disappointing. But I don't think we should necessarily focus and determine the success of his season upon that interview. Because if you're able to present these results as a young rider where you finish in the top 10 of races for more than 75% of the time, I think you're having a very good season as an under 23 or first year elite. Because if you look at a rider like Ryan Kamp, who is a year older, or Mace Hendricks, who is a year older, both have had way tougher seasons than Pim Ronnaar. No, absolutely. And, you know, the, like you said, when you are still in around that age, it's it's very difficult to have a very con- consistent season. And I think, like you said, for Ronnaar, this season definitely hasn't been bad. You know, if you compare it to what has been said before the, the season, then definitely it was it, it didn't deliver to those predictions but i think that if you look at it from just his progress i think that he definitely made some 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 serious progress he and and nice as well i, I think that he's you know definitely somebody that give him one or two more years and then he will definitely show himself more around for and and, and have more fights for podiums and when you are going to be fighting more for those podiums i think he will take such a battle like this a little bit different than maybe wait for van der haar who was you know was definitely closing in but because of actually the efforts of, of ronar you know van der haar was kind of hanging and then at a certain point you kind of snap and you know for van der haar it was then impossible to bridge that gap and for him maximum was fifth yeah it really wasn't the smartest race by ronar or like he had two hyenas in his wheel Isabit and van turen out they were just waiting for ronar to tire himself and that was already way too early to attack in the first place. But second of all, with Van der Haar closing in and coming as close as seven seconds, he really should have waited. We know from the Belgian broadcast that Sven nice shouted to Ronhar that he should sit in the wheels. But I don't know if he heard that or just decided to ignore it. And if he ignored it, how much can you blame such a young guy? As you say, this is the chance of his season like to get an elite podium we know he can do it he did it in Besançon last year but it was the chance for him and ultimately he came short he got too excited but he will learn from it I mean he will learn from himself and there's a proper staff around him at Bawa's track who will tell him well you should look behind you sometimes or on these sections where you cross each other glance on the other side see who's coming behind you create awareness in the race have an idea for what position am i fighting how many laps are there to go who is coming behind me hey this is a teammate you might not need to pull team tactics as in letting the gap fall but you can sit in the wheel especially if you are with two of the Paul Sauser guys who are known to be pulling team tactics with the two of them so i think that was a bit unfortunate for van der haar but ultimately after that crash that was simply too much for him like we can't fully blame Ron Haar for Van der Haar ending fifth because we know that he's been struggling with form ever since the Christmas period he said he went very deep there then got sick then had the nationals and just everything together meant that he couldn't recover they still did some hard training though because he wants to be good at worlds next weekend and who knows it's tough now because 
who is where in their preparation, who prepares in what way, which rider thinks it's important to bag confidence this week, and which rider slash team thinks, well, it's all about next week, going to use this as a final block in a heavy training block, the final day of that, and then rest towards Worlds. We don't know, ultimately we'll see next week, but for Van der Haar things aren't looking as good as they looked a couple of weeks ago, although... Uh, to be honest, basically ever since that Christmas period started, he looked to be lacking just 1% and today was just a further continuation of that. Yeah, indeed. I think, you know, for for Van der Haar, it's, it's going to be the question if he's going to be informing time uh, at the Worlds. You know, he, he's definitely, he said it himself and he's not very happy with the form, how it is right now, but... Maybe with the compensation of the, the hard training that he did, uh, plus some some rest uh, next week, that might bring him somewhere in the championship. He's somebody that likes 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 the championships. He can always find something extra, uh, but the legs will speak in the end. So it will you know it will be very difficult for Van der Haar to get that third spot on the podium, considering the fact that Van der Poel and Van Aert will have no issues and uh, will battle it out at the front, but. It's going to be very interesting what Van der Haar can bring uh, next week. And I don't know if he's starting actually in Besançon. No, he's not starting Besançon. And I think it's a question if you want to do such a heavy weekend with Hamme and Besançon. And then especially the travel between them. It's a seven-hour drive. It's definitely not ideal the week before Worlds. I mean, there are some riders that are doing it. We know that Iserbeet is doing it, Pim Ronhaar is doing it, Michael van Turenhout is doing it. On the other hand, you have riders like Van Aert and Van der Poel saying, no, we're going for one trip, we're not going to go for a long travel, so only one race in the weekend for them. And I think it's kind of nice on one hand that they don't race against each other this weekend, because on one hand it leaves us a bit in the dark and a bit in the mist, like, ooh, how good are they going to be next week? On the other hand, it's a bit of a shame because it could have built even more momentum if we had another great battle this weekend. But yeah, it is what it is. And Van der Haar, as you say, he needs to hope for the best. We can look at the entire top 10. Van Aert took the win ahead of Isabiet, Van Turenhout, Ronhaar and Van der Haar. Sixth place went to Cameron Mason ahead of Vincent Baastaans. Lander Lokes was 8th with Arne Vrachten in 9th and Jentel Beckhardt in 10th. Some names in the top 10 that we haven't spoken about this season at all. Jentel Beckhardt, for instance, I think he is on the edge of not getting another contract at Boas Trek. Arne Vrachten races for the Akor Tormans team, which is now the youth team of the Quickstep Sudal Road team. So don't get confused, they are not affiliated with Wanti, they are affili- affiliated with Quickstep on the road. I don't know what's up there. Maybe he can put himself on the radar of the actual Tormans cross team, but I doubt it. The start field today was pretty weak. I think there's one rider we still need to mention, and that is Cameron Mason, who is back racing. He raced Hama and then Worlds next week. I think he's choosing a very wise program, not making it too stacked and choosing for a better approach, which allows him to train a lot. He also didn't do... Benidorm but he was in Spain so I think his schedule really allows him to be at his best next week at Worlds and who knows what he can do there because 
it wasn't too bad today despite a pretty bad start yeah indeed i, I really hope that he can uh, have, a, have a you know a race without any difficulties next week and i think that today kind of confirms that he is in, in a in a very good form and um, you know considering that there might be some compensation coming up I think that um, yeah, you know, I really want to see how this this way of approaching the worlds how it will play out for him, and it will be interesting uh, if if that will bring him uh, a very good result. On to the women's race then, and that was basically an early version of the men's race, at least in terms of what happened at the front of the race. The teammate of Art van Aert, Fem van Empel, had the best start, and she was also opening a gap pretty quickly, probably even faster than Wout van Aert, as she already had a gap at the end of the first lap. She had 10 seconds, and because Shirin van Androoy had a pretty bad start, van Androoy needed time to really start chasing van Empel. By then, van Empel already had 15 seconds on van Androoy, and from there on there was really no starting the chase anymore for van Androoy. She did what she could, but van Empel was simply way too strong and took the win ahead of van Androoy. Behind that, there was an interesting battle for third. For a while, Brandt was riding there together with Betsma, but Alvarado came back pretty strong from a crash in the early phases of the race. She passed Betsma and passed Brandt, went into third and kept on to third. That was still somewhat important for the classification, as it looks to be a battle between Brandt and Alvarado there. In the end, Brandt managed to limit the damage to 15 seconds, but as she took 5 bonification seconds earlier in the race, she only lost 10 seconds on Alvarado, but Alvarado ended third on the podium today. Van Empel took the win here, Isam. Another win for Jumbo. 1-2. Nah, not 1-2. 1-1, basically. Two wins here today in Hamme. Successful day for them, and Van Empel looked very good, and yeah, like, really good. It looked like the Van Empel we saw in the early phases of the season again. Yeah, this was um, a very, very, very good Van Empel, I think, because there was not a single moment that you saw that she really had to dig deep to, to you know, make that pace work out and was never in any difficulties whatsoever. It, you know, really looked strong. Um, and that was a Van Empel that we haven't seen in a while. Eh? We have seen a Van Empel that has been going well, but I think the Van Empel of today indeed reminds me a little bit of that Van Empel that, that was at the start of the season, and I think <laughs> there's not a better moment to have that form than, than now, maybe a week too early. But um, yeah, that is definitely going to be interesting how that will play out uh, for her next week. And I think for today, you know, with the starting field that was today, knowing that Peterson was not going to be here, we kind of knew that Van Empel was going to be the main favorite for today's race. But you then also have to, you know, uh, you have to deliver. And I think she just did that and, you know, was a very good race from Van Empel. Yeah, it was a good race. And although I do think last week in Benny Dorm she also looked good, there are some important things to note. And. One of them is why the gap with Van Anrooy was so big. First of all, some things on the course that I noticed. There was this hill with some Belgian stairs in it, and Van Empel was able to hop them. Van Anrooy needed to run them every lap. I think that cost her like 5-6 seconds every lap, and that's pretty significant. And it's honestly surprising that Van Anrooy wasn't able to hop them, because 
they really weren't that tough to hop, but apparently it was too tricky for her. And we know that Van Empel was able to bunny hop barriers, which for some reason she isn't doing anymore, which she did in the beginning of the season. But yeah, that cost her time. Another thing I noticed is that Van Anrooy, despite being a fast runner, lost some time on the barriers. And that's because she's a pretty early dismounter. This is not about seconds, but still. She dismounts her bike and then needs to take four or five steps before the first barrier. Normal riders only take one or two steps before the barriers. Normally two, that's around the safe spot. So Van Anrooy is quite far above that. So those are two things I noticed on the course today, which didn't go too well for Van Anrooy. But more important is the training load that Van Anrooy did. Van Anrooy, after Benidorm, did not take rest. She cycled back from Benidorm to her hotel, 50 kilometers, so almost two hours of endurance after the race in Benidorm. And then she just continued training. Three hours on Monday, three hours on Tuesday, then another ride of four hours somewhere. Then a coffee ride before flying back on Friday, two hours on the cross bike. Still some heavy training. And that today, she said, I couldn't really dig deep. That's just a sign of tiredness. And it's not bad to have that. You come to the point, well, where are you in your season? Where are you in your preparation towards the World Championships? Van Anhoy decided to race the under-23 race. We'll talk more thoroughly on that decision in the preview podcast. If you follow the podcast this season, you know both of us are not really a fan of that decision. But we'll keep that for the preview podcast and now talk about what happened here. That tiredness, it's not bad to have that because you can have time to rest. You have an entire week now before the racing in Hoogerheide kicks off. So it's not bad. It's just where are you in your schedule? Van Empel took rest after the race in Benidorm. She recovered from that, whilst Van Androoy didn't take any time to recover. It's just building fatigue for her. Van Empel, she did do training, and those trainings confirmed that her form is very good. She put in a five-minute personal best on one of the interval trainings she did this week. Did a long five-hour endurance ride on Thursday still, but she did properly recover from that race in Benidorm, and that's something we didn't see Van Androoy do. So the question is, is Van Empel able to hold this level towards Worlds? Does she decline a bit maybe? Or does she still gain a little bit? For Van Androoy, I expect her to try and time the super compensation next week. The question is, is she fresh enough? Or does it not work out well for her? It's tough, but that's the type of racing you are in now. Everybody is somewhere else in their training plan towards Worlds. And that makes it incredibly tough to analyze the results. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also the reason why... You shouldn't be, while it's a very good indication today and also tomorrow, you you shouldn't be thinking too much of it. Uh, it will definitely, if, you, if, if for example, your form was, was terrible in a way, then you could maybe have some conclusions already and it, it can lead towards a, a bad performance also in next week. But on the other hand, it can also be that somebody ended their training, let's say on Thursday, you know, and then they travel. Maybe, you know, they were, like you said about Van Arroy, after the race, still training. So that means that you're obviously you're not going to be 100% fresh at the start. You know, there is maybe going, it's going to be influencing a little bit your racing. So uh, it's it's very difficult, a race like this. And it didn't help that Van Empel went away from the start. Uh, but, you know, we the racing nevertheless was really good. And I think, 
today somebody that had a quite a good performance in my opinion was was Alvarado. Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to say that she could have beaten Van Empel or Van Anrooy. I mean, at some point everybody starts consolidating their gaps and they're like, well, why should I waste energy? But Alvarado definitely came back strong after that crash in the early phases of the race. She was at least the third strongest today. And, you know, there's always a surprise at the World Championships. Normally, there's always a couple of favorites and then there's somebody who all of a sudden managed to put themselves between them. And that could very well be Alvarado this year because despite having a... Well, it depends. Does she have a good season? I would say she does. I mean, she's pretty much been the fourth rider behind the likes of Van Anrooy, Pieterse, and Van Empel. She won some super prestige races, and that should make her the fourth in line at the World Championships. And when Van Anrooy falls away, she's third. But I liked what I, what I heard after the race interview. She believes in a world title, like... In that interview, she was saying, I'm going to fight for it. You never know what happens. I trust myself. I know that I'm going to peak there. I know that I have the talent. I'm not racing for bronze. Everybody's talking about, oh, but who's going to end third behind Peter Jan van Empel? But to even have a shot at beating them, you need to believe it. And the fact that Alvarado has that, yeah, I like that a lot. I think that's very powerful. You know, at the end of the day, the race it still has to, it has to be ridden and can turn out to be a very you know a crazy day and if you're not believing in it whatsoever it it might for some be better to not start at all i mean of course you have to believe in it but not be unrealistic and i think that's probably the right balance that she has at the moment she knows that everything is possible that her form at the moment looks looks quite good and who knows you know it can always be a surprise but at the moment, you know, if you look at how Van Empel was riding today, there is definitely still a, uh, Van Empel is still a step uh, above at the moment in terms of, um, you know, the level that she is reaching. Uh, but you know, the racing, like I said, it has to be done, and the technical uh, problems and difficulties can always come around in such a race. So we have to wait and see. And I'm not ruling out Brandt either for that. I mean, Brandt today needed to go very deep, but also Brandt did a lot of training after Benidorm World Cup. She was also training with lots of riders from the Trek road team. So, yeah, I mean, I can see both Brandt and Alvarado come close. I mean, we know that both are able to go very deep on championships. So, who knows? For Betsema, I think things are a bit more difficult wasn't bad today but the drop-off at the end of the race indicates to me that the form isn't quite there and that's kind of been the case the not necessarily the entire season but definitely over the christmas period so yeah it is and a bit of a shame uh, to be honest that it had to go um to go like that i think that there is definitely a line that that is moving upwards it's getting a bit better now for betsema but yeah, it, I don't think that's the form that Betsema is currently in. That that will improve in such an extent that she will be uh, somebody that that can do something on the worlds. And also after that, the racing that is left for her, it's you know you might be be able to maybe fight for a victory left or right. But after the worlds, 
in terms of classification, there's not much she can still do uh, to get herself back into a winning position. So, you know, you can basically say that her season, despite the fact that it is not over, uh, there is not much to gain from it anymore, apart from trying to, you know, motivate yourself and get some good results. And I think that she can then probably after the season reflect on how it went and see if there are some areas where she can improve on. Let's look at the entire top 10 then. I don't think there was all too much going on. It was not a deep field. Most riders prioritizing tomorrow's race in Besançon. Six Dutch riders in the first six positions. Van Empel ahead of Van Androoy, Alvarado, Brandt, Petsema and Van Alphe. Seventh place for Ribeiro, slightly disappointing. Ahead of a Dutch duo. Modegraaf, eighth ahead of Bentveld in ninth. Nice to note that Laura Modegraaf made quite a bit of progression. It's nice to compare against Bentveld since both raced against each other last year. Bentveld made progression, but last year she was pretty much the second junior the entire season, behind Backstead of course. And she was pretty far ahead of Modegraaf, but eventually this season it looks to be that Modegraaf has made a bit more progression and is now able to finish ahead despite still only being a second year junior. So... Good progression for her and also nice to see Francesca Baroni end in 10. Good result by her as well. Then Isam, I think we've had it for Hamme. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. Next up, uh, Besançon. Yep, tomorrow we'll be discussing the World Cup in Besançon. Should be a good one, so see you guys then. Goodbye.